a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys would put mega some Mega Crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors, keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Everyone's pet peeve. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have pet peeves? Uh, yeah. That sounds like a morning talk show thing. Uh, you know what my pet peeve is? Why don't you call in and tell us your favorite pet peeve? I was going to name... And everyone calls and they tells their spouse's pet peeves. <laughs> I was going to name my dog Peeve. <laughs> That's an awesome name. Remember when we used to have the dog named D-O-G? And yeah. And would say, how do you spell that? And we'd say D-O-G. <laughs> that was the best, but I think Peeves is also a good alternative. All right. Well, hey, here's some, uh, some Table Talk Radio lineup for you, some uh, emails. Tinker's the News, check this out. We have uh, Mike Pence talking today with uh, the Life Institute and Susan B. Anthony list. We're going to report on that for Tinker's the News. And then we have a very interesting question about law and gospel we'll address. And that's all we have so far. So we'll have to roll out the rest of the show as it unfolds. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come up with tons of things to talk about. Okay. So this might only you might only need to stick in for about the first segment, maybe two. And then I would I would just not even bother with the rest really. You, you know the best the, the the best parts of books are the first ten pages. And I think the best parts of Table Talk Radio are the first ten minutes. Yeah. Maybe good. the first ten seconds. Hmm. You do, know, do, 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 do. You know the little stat uh, counter of downloads that we have on our website actually tracks yeah. in uh, those who have in, downloaded the entire file versus those who stopped downloading. <laughs> we should really? we should probably compare those stats. Sometimes uh, it's better not to know. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's uh, let's do some buzzword. What do you got there, Pastor Wolf Miller? My buzzword for you is church. You know, church. It can be used as a noun, as an adjective, as a verb, as a participle. It could probably be used as a direct object. It could be used as an article. Uh, church, you know, it's a churching, churchly, being the church, churching, church, church. I just think it's interesting, by the way, that the word church is used three times, I do believe, in the Gospels by Jesus. On this rock I will build my church, tell it to the church. Uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, and the Greek word underneath it is ekklesia, which from the calling to be called out and it's interesting that it it's a bit of a contrast, although I don't I don't think we should make too much out of this, but it's a bit of a contrast with the old word for church, which was synagogue, to be gathered together, sunagago. That means to gather together. Church means to be mean to be called out. So so they are the same and you were called out of the world to gather together around the body and blood, but that's the word church. All right. My theological buzzword for you is reconciliation. Get this. 
from Second Corinthians chapter five. It says, "Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely." that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So here's here's the idea. Reconciliation means a deficit has taken place, and so that one would be reconciled, be one be brought back up, or that, that, uh, that debt or that deficit is uh, canceled and is now uh, zero. So... Um, that we would sin against God and our debt against God. I mean, the wages of sin is death. And so the way that Christ reconciles us to himself is by giving his life as a ransom for ours. So that uh, the death that is demanded of our sin is paid uh, in full by Christ our Lord, and so that we are now reconciled to God. Now, what this passage is saying is that we now have the word of reconciliation, so that this reconciliation that takes place between man and God is bestowed in a word, and that word is proclaimed, and that uh, reconciliation is heard by the lost and condemned who come to faith in Christ and believe. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, that's great. I love how it says, uh, God was in Christ. So you have the whole the whole Trinity there working for um, this, making things right between us and God. Just fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got some emails for you, some interesting ones, no less. Uh, Should I be looking at the Trello for this? I'm not yeah, really. Don't worry about it. Just You're... you got you got your right. lazy boy. You got the the recliner out. Just whatever. Just make yourself comfortable. I'll do all the heavy lifting right here today. On. All right, this do. is from Frederick. He writes, while listening to Table Talk Radio Show 434, I was reminded of Trinity Sunday two years ago. My then four-year-old daughter said, that's modalism, Patrick, when the pastor described the heresy of modalism. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether to be embarrassed or proud a four-year-old recognized heresy. Who am I kidding? I was proud. That's pretty good, four-year-old you. That's modalism, Patrick. Man, that <laughs> uh, our friend Pastor Feeney of Lutheran Satire hit on a hit a home run with that one. Every once in a while, he just he had a tweet. Did you see his tweet about the Winter Olympics? No. And it said the winter. The great thing about Winter Olympics is that basically you could die in every single event. It's like long jump, dead speed skating, <laughs> dead biathlon, dead. Curling, fine. Luge, <laughs> dead. It was great. Really it was shared something like forty million times. I mean, maybe not that many, but it was crazy. He, but he hit on a gold mine on that Patrick and the Heresies one, uh, where he goes through Saint Patrick's bad uh, analogies. Um, just fantastic. Ah, good stuff. Uh, and you learned a thing or two on those satire videos, also. You you used to. He's kind of declining, you know, like all of us. He's kind of getting, <laughs> sitting on our haunches, you know. We hardly do anything anymore. We used to do good stuff, do good theology. Now we just depend on our good looks. Well, I do. I don't know what you do. Yeah, I do too. Don't worry. No, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> all right, here's, here's... Pastor Feeney, by the... Speaking of good looks, Pastor Feeney was always prided himself on being the best-dressed pastor anywhere. He, You know, he used to be down the street from me. Now he's in, I don't know, Chicago or something. But he would always come to these 
whatever sort of pastor event, you know, overdressed in these tailored suits and everything. Just because it was a thing of his. He wanted to be the best dressed pastor. So I think he's relying on his good looks now also. I think so. That's how he got to be writing for the Federalist. The rest of us didn't pass the the finely dressed there test. is yeah i think there is a litmus test uh of, of your attire if you're going to be writing for the federalist so that's probably it all right are you ready for a voicemail yeah oh yeah all right here it is hey this is jesse one time you guys suggested that hope lutheran and aurora could try out some church signs um our pastor has been thinking about putting come suffer with us on our church sign for LCMS. So maybe Hope could try it out. Just let us know how it goes, and then I'll pass that along to my pastor. Thanks. Yeah, so Hope Lutheran's like a test case for church signs. I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Come sup with us. Come supper with us. Supper, apparently like church, can be any sort of part of speech. Yeah, I guess Come so. supper with us. At first, um, I, at first, I thought it said that come suffer with us, which would probably make more sense at a Lutheran church. Come uh, suffer with us in church. Maybe that's what the it sermon was. is. That, that, maybe that's why. That's right. Maybe that's why it was suggested for Hope Lutheran. Come suffer with us, Pastor Wolfmuller's preaching. Hope Lutheran Church, <laughs> misery loves company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's pretty good. That's slightly that's a better slightly better tagline than what was the tagline for Grace Lutheran Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico was uh too small to matter, too big to care. <laughs> <laughs> Come supper with us is actually not that bad. I mean, we might have some communion questions, fellowship questions, but I think this is the point is that we the supper where we join together around the Lord's body and blood his body and his blood given and shed for us for the forgiveness of sins is the is the is the goal of all of this we jesus is uh, gathering all people to his supper here on earth that's what he's doing that's what the holy spirit is doing when he calls gathers enlightens and sanctifies the whole christian church on earth and keeps it with jesus christ in the one true faith this this gathering people to the supper is the evangelism work of the church and so to say to people hey come and have have a meal with us. The meal is the body and blood of God incarnate, and it's for you for your salvation. That that that's the call. That's the invitation to the feast that uh, is the church's work of evangelism. So in some ways, I mean, again, we just might want to be a little careful. On you know, there's there's a few things that happen before people are supping with us, mm-hmm. but but that's what it's all working towards, and that's what we're always pushing towards, and that's our great joy, our great. Rejoicing is to have that fellowship of the of the body and the blood. And I do like to emphasize that uh, that all all are welcome to the Lord's table. It's just that there's a proper way or a proper channel uh, to come to this table. So it isn't that I just you know walk in the doors of any church I want and go up to the Lord's supper, uh, but that that actually involves a time of. Uh, uh, instruction so that I can learn what it is that I confess, and then I can confess with all those gathered there, I'm one with you in doctrine, and I partake with you. So so anyone who wants to do that is welcome. You just got to go through the proper channels to do it. Uh, no one excluded. That's right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we have a question about law and gospel, and then we'll be playing Ten Commandments to the News with uh, Vice President Mike Pence. I don't know if he'll be able to make it to the show, but we'll just have to maybe talk about what he said. We'll be right back on Table Talk.
no offense, but you should listen to Table Talk Radio. Seriously, no offense. We're going to try something totally new this fall, a missionary visit. We're going to go tour around Spain and see the missionaries that are there. Find out more at wolfmuller.co. Click the travel button. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we want to hear from Not me. I'm actually listeners. on the show. So you're not listening now? How, how is that you knew well, to talk? Um, well, that's true. I guess I am. If you want to uh, chime in with comments But I thought or since you were talking to me, you should say, you are co-hosting Table Talk Radio, and that would be a true thing for what I'm doing. That's true. And that, I mean, the problem and, with what and I in said fact, assumes... that statement has a better... Yeah, that's your, <laughs> but your statement, I'm co-hosting, has a better chance of being true. <laughs> Because there's probably a better chance that I'm co-hosting than there actually is that someone is listening. Do you see? Yes. My my air was... So just if you want to say something that's that has a higher probability of being true, I mean, I might actually not be co-hosting. I am trying to do the whole show with my feet up, as you suggested, the Lazy Boy style. How's that going? So I'm... So like, far, so good. You I'm might like have to... sub-co-hosting. Do you have uh, within your reach a Bible? Uh, yeah. I mean, I yes, hate, I, yes, I hate to I inconvenience you to get out of your lazy boy long enough to get a Bible, but if that's all right, okay, because uh, we have a we have an email question. If you have an email question, you can send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. If you're a Calvinist and you have answers, send it to answers at tabletalkradio.org, and then when it comes back, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> all right, here's the question. It says, "Hey guys, love the show." I've got a question for you on Genesis 2, 16 and 17. You want to read that first? Okay. Well, I got, you know, I, I might have it memorized, but I did reach over for a Bible just to make sure I got it. You know, we want to get it exactly right. Genesis 2, 16 and 17? Yep. You say? The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so here's the question. Would you consider it to be law or gospel? Thanks, David. Now, this is this is an interesting question. I mean, uh, I think initially we would automatically say, well, it's law. And the only thing that would keep us from going to that logical uh, conclusion is that, well, the law condemns, and uh, in that it doesn't, condemn, at least not yet, until they actually violate the law. So we're struggling with, well, uh, pre-fall, does, God, does God's word actually law if it doesn't condemn sinners? But um, that, that's, I think, what makes this an interesting question. And uh, I'll give my two cents on that, then I'll let you chime in here. Uh, I think what we have to do, and this has been pointed out to me by others in thinking about this kind of a thing, as we talk about the law, and we always say that the law always accuses, right? Uh, what's that Latin? Semper, semper accusa or something like that? Semper accusat. Okay. Um, I, the, I'm pretty the, sure that's a very precise, yeah, accurate pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. Now, how would someone from Australia say it in, in Latin? <laughs> that's a good question, mate. Semper accusat. <laughs> Perfect. Australian speaking in Latin? <laughs> that takes, that's a high, fine art right there. My friends. <laughs> so the thing the is, when we, when we talk about the law oh, man, always accuses, that is true. But when the confessions talk about 
that the law always accuses. It never leaves it just uh, uh, without a direct object. So uh, we should ask then, the law always accuses whom? Um, because it, the, it isn't necessarily true to say the law always accuses just as an intransitive, right? So, so that the law um, doesn't accuse Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God, the law doesn't accuse uh, us when we're in the new heaven and new earth with God in the presence of the Lamb. So so there is the necessity, and, and the confessions do this, to talk about the law always accusing uh, you know, sinners, <laughs> those who are uh, born into sin. And uh, then I think then it's okay. We don't really have a problem by saying Genesis 2, 16, 17 is law. It's just that those uh, standing there in the Garden of Eden aren't condemned by that law just yet. We'll be in a moment. What are your thoughts on this topic? I agree. And I think it's important to remember that the law doesn't accuse the new man. The law doesn't accuse Christ. The law doesn't accuse the spirit and so forth. And like you said, it doesn't accuse Adam and Eve. So just so because we know that the law always accuses the sinner, uh, that doesn't that's not a it's not a definition of the law. I mean, the law lex semper accusa is not a definition. It's a it's a statement of fact of how things are now and how it goes with us in the law. But it's not. So if we find something that's not accusing and we we don't go and say, well, it's not law because it's not accusing because that's. Again, it's that's not intended to be a definition of the law. It's not as and if I the law I mean, only accuses, right? Right, that's right. That's the, the other thing we got to look out for that we think the law only accuses. And really, when the law, I mean, the law is the expression of God's will. So before the fall, I mean, law and gospel are functioning very differently. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about this this promise, it's a threat, but it's a threat that never was supposed to be uh, followed through with. The Lord's will is that Adam and Eve wouldn't eat the fruit and that they wouldn't have the knowledge of evil. In fact, they would live forever. So that the the, the word is, is given in the hopes that it won't be, it won't come to pass. And this is, how, this is really how God always preaches the law in the Old Testament. I mean, we remember how that story, it's a, it's a key story. It's right there, in, I think it's Jeremiah 18, where the Lord sends Jeremiah down to look at the potter. And Jeremiah goes down and there's the potter. And he's making some something, you know, on the pottering wheel, an ashtray or something. And uh, and there was an imperfection in the in the clay. And so the potter changed direction. And instead of making a bowl that went this way, he made a, a vase that went this way or whatever. He just changed. He Based on the imperfection in the clay, he changed what he was doing. And then the Lord says to Jeremiah, am I not like the potter? In other words, the Lord is saying, I can change my mind. And then he, t he gives examples. If I, for example, promised that I'm going to destroy the city, pluck it up and root it out and tear it down, and yet the people repent, then I won't come. I'll relent. I'll repent of the disaster that I intended for them, and I'll bless them. And then on the other hand, the Lord says, if I promise good to a people and they, and they don't keep my commands, but they go on lawless ways, then I will come and I'll root them up and destroy them. So that so that the lord so that the purpose of the preaching both of law and gospel is repentance and when the lord comes along and he gives the promise of destruction or the threat of destruction it doesn't mean that he wants to do it in fact he gives it to us as a promise beforehand because he doesn't want to do it so when god says to adam and eve in the garden hey eat the fruit dying you'll de you'll be dead he's he's saying that precisely because his his great desire is that they would live forever eternally Ah. All right. Well, thanks for the email, David. Again, if you have questions, questions at tabletalkradio.org is the email address. 
All right, I got some audio from Mike Pence talking today. A um, couple of sound bites. Which one should I play here? I'll, I'll do this one. Are you ready? Yeah. This is for uh, Ten Commandments in the News, mind you. So, uh, Okay. Think Ten Commandments. We, uh, as we go forward in this cause in, in 2018, to understand that while we have made great progress, we have much work yet to do. The truth is that the opposition is always looking for ways to undo our achievements, and notably in the category of the progress that we've made in the cause of life. You need look no further than a vote in the Congress that took place, right, Diane? Not too long ago. Uh, nearly every Democrat in the United States Senate voted against the pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act. Uh, the truth of the matter is that the other side, the other party, continues to go farther and farther to the left even while Americans, especially younger Americans, are choosing and embracing the sanctity of life more and more every day. And we have to be their voice. All right, that's just a bit of what Mike Pence uh, spoke about before the Susan B. Anthony list. Here's an article from the Huffington Post that says, Mike Pence suggests legal abortions in U.S. could end, quote, in our time. says, Standing before a roomful of anti-abortion activists in Nashville on Tuesday, Mike Pence described the, quote, great progress, in square quotes, uh, made under President Tr Donald Trump to limit women's access to legal abortions in the U.S. and abroad. He called for the activists in the room to work even harder to help restore the sanctity of life in the center of American law. He then made a stunning suggestion that legal abortion could, quote, once again be banned in the U.S., that it could uh, uh, happen in our time. Speaking at a luncheon hosted by the Susan B. Anthony List and Life Institute, an anti-abortion group, the vice president announced that life is winning in America once again before ticking off the many policies enacted under Trump aimed at limiting access to abortions. All right, that's a, the gist of it. <laughs> I, lo I love, this is I, just so unbiased and neutral and... What a great report this is. Right. It is. I mean, it, it shows you the power <laughs> of language, right? Because, it, it, I mean, the, part of the big fight of the, um, the pro and con abortion fight is the, is the fight about language, how we use language, what we say, and this sort of thing. And, and so for them, it, it can't be pro-life. It's anti-abortion. You know what I mean? Uh it's it's it is quite amazing, and then and it's not pro-abortion; it's it's pro-choice. I mean, the, the, just the whole way you frame the thing is, you know, the fight or, is in the language. Or putting scare scare quotes around great progress in the sentence. Mike Pence described the great progress made under President Trump. I mean, <laughs> you're, I mean, if you're look, if you're a, a a commentary writer for a newspaper, have at it, say whatever you want. But when you're trying to give a, a legitimate, uh, be a, a journalist to describe an event that happened, but if you put scare quotes around great progress in the fight against abortion, I mean, you're, you're not even being objective anymore. Yeah, you're not even trying. You're not even trying. You're not even trying. All right, maybe a little bit more about this after the break, and we're giving Pastor Wolf. Yeah, we got to do Ten Commandments. Yeah, I got to do Ten Commandments. And then we're going to give Pastor Wolfman some homework. What are we be doing after Ten Commandments of the News? That'll be up to him. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back. I'm not ready for all this work. I'm busy trying to get ready for my issues, etc. I gotta do table talk stuff now? It's really classy up here. (sighs) Table Talk Radio will be right back. (laughs) I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. That bump sounds like a uh, a uh, alarm on your cell phone. It's gonna wake you up from the break. It's time to wake up. All right. You uh, know what time my alarm went off this morning? Are you wondering? I was. Just oh, this wondering. is an important update. This is like ten times in the news, basically. Because remember how I'm in the big weight loss challenge? <laughs> oh yes. Give us an update on that yeah. because I was so wondering. So so my alarm went off this morning at four thirty six so that I could go to the gym at five a.m. That is stupid. Yes. I thought at first when I saw that they had a thing on the class at 5 a.m. that they were joking. <laughs> but apparently all these crazies get up at 5 a.m., including me this morning, just because to make it work in the schedule, i got to get them. That was nuts. So would you weigh in? How's, the how's thing it was going? Over. Yeah, fine. How's your, it's good. How's your down, plot to, like, leave donuts around? And... Is that yeah, what Carrie keeps thwarting me Jeez. every time. It turned out that the other day there was a Girl Scout cookies – salesperson outside the gym, <laughs> like at this place next door, like at the Chipotle that's next door. And uh, and uh, a bunch of people were complaining about it. <laughs> They're not going to call the police. You can't, apparently, you can't, you, it's like illegal. Just It's illegal to sell pot within a 1,000 feet of a school, and it's a, apparently it should, they wanted to make it illegal to sell Girl Scout cookies within like 100 feet of a gym. I don't What happened the other day? I was running, and like the Chipotle added bacon to their menu or something and it smelled like bacon in there and i said this is horrible the only way that making having bacon makes you run faster is if like it's dangled in front of you <laughs> but the smell it's disincentivizing let me tell you you're oh, adding pounds just smelling bacon <laughs> I <don't see>. this, <laughs> this, i smelled some bacon oh, man, and i gained, gained two pound. pounds <laughs> Someone well, waft the smell of M&Ms in here, and I gained another 10. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate the update on that. I mean, I I, I couldn't sleep last night, so now that I now that I know, I probably can. I, so it was trouble sleeping because every time – I mean, you know, when you have to wake up before 5 a.m., you're just sure you're going to not do it. And you're apparently, oh, man. I don't know, whatever part of your body says you got to wake up in like 20 minutes, so you might as well not go to sleep. That was that part of my body was hyperactive yesterday. We have we have night. church uh, here in Rogue River at a comfortable ten a.m. You know Bible class at eight forty-five. That's 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 nice. Uh, in in Vicarage, we had a divine service at eight a.m. and then Bible class and another divine service. And you know, I was always just sure that I was going to sleep through. And as a vicar, you know, you're like, man, I'm going to fail my vicarage if I sleep through church or something like this. And so mm-hmm. um, I would set my alarm for like, what, 6.30 or 7, whatever time I had to, needed to get over there. But every time I woke up Saturday night, I would like panic looking at, did I oversleep? You know, uh, oh, okay, it's only 1 a.m., I'm all right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, That's the worst. I know. 
So. That's, this is the thing is that the pastor nightmare, you know, that you show her. I had this dream one time that I got to church. I was running late and it was like two minutes before church started. And I was trying to put on my robes and I was like quicksand robes. I was like <laughs> lost in my all. But and it took me like 20 minutes to get my robes on. And everyone's waiting and the organist is playing the prelude. And I'm trying to, you know, tie the thing. It's horrible. I've had the dream before where I've stepped into the pulpit and realized I didn't have a sermon. <laughs> Like, oh. Has that never happened in real life? Uh, no, no, that hasn't happened yet in real life. That happened a couple times to me. I like uh, my sermon. I'd left it in my office or whatever. Really? Oh well. All right. Well, I figure you'd probably know it. I mean, you at least wrote something, even if you don't have it in front of you. You can probably still preach it. I, I haven't had to do that yet, but I always figured that I could. But I'm saying, like you, like, like I thought tomorrow was Friday, and it's Sunday. I'm stepping in the in the pulpit. I don't got anything. That that was my dream. Anyway, okay, let's probably get past talking about our dreams and go back to this uh, story with Mike Pence talking in front of Susan B. Yeah, Anthony. Table Talk Radio, which is like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so you got some Ten Commandments you th- got rolling around on this one? So, okay, so here uh, President Pence is trying to you know, be supportive of the pro-life cause, which is weird. <laughs> I mean, it's weird that we have to say pro-life cause. It should just be anti-baby murder. How how are we so insane that we think this is okay to kill the babies? I mean, uh, I don't know. I just have no idea how we how we got here. Anyhow, uh, it seems very good that that we should be uh, killing less babies. And so they had the act. This was a, it went the, the the legal thing went before Congress, right? It was the fetal pain, and it was to say that hey, as soon as babies can feel pain then we should not inflict pain by killing them. Wasn't that the, the thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... And that was going to limit abortion to, like, to a certain time frame, like 20 weeks or something, or 16 weeks. That's what I find interesting about this Huffington Post article is that um, the, the soundbite that I played, there was another one here too, but there are videos embedded into the article, and yet in all the kind of scare quotes that this uh, author writes, I mean, including this one, um, Mike uh, Pence said that Trump's administration would continue to push measures to restrict abortion access, but he stressed that, quote, the opposition is always looking for ways to undo our achievements and urge anti-abortion activists to take action. But nowhere in this article, I mean, they're making it sound like how terrible it is that these people are restricting access to abortion. They probably said that like three times in this article. But yet it never mentions the fact, why would anyone vote against the uh, idea that we shouldn't be causing unborn babies pain? Like as as soon as the, the – I mean, certainly we believe that life begins at conception. But progressive legislation is a good thing here. And if you're going to say, look, maybe we shouldn't be doing things to a baby since we know it can feel pain at a certain time – how would you vote against that? Like, why would that right, not be a good thing? We should just, I mean, just call it the against baby torture. Act. Yeah. We're against torture. Are you, babies. are you pro baby I mean, torture? Right. <laughs> How, I, but this is the insanity of the, of the pro abortion lobby. The baby killing lobby is that it, nothing, the baby, the, the, the whole question of the baby is, is out the, is out with the bathwater. And it's just a question of, I don't know. I mean, it's even called healthcare now. Yeah. Women's health care, which Re- is weird. Reproductive rights. I mean, because all the little baby women babies in the are not getting very good health. I mean, the whole thing is 
this is my problem, though. I mean, really, I and I I think we've talked about this before. I just I don't understand. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand the argument for abortion. I do not understand the logic. I mean, do I understand that some that children, there's sometimes that that moms are not ready to be moms and and they're pregnant. Yes, I do understand that. Uh, are there situations in life that we, all of us are not ready for that happen to us? Yes. Is having a baby a life-changing, body-changing, economic situation-changing situation? Well, yes. Of course. I mean, yes. I, so can we recognize that sometimes um, there are people who are not ready for that? Yes. Okay. So what's the solution? I mean, remember how we talked about how in the church you got the you got to make the make the solu- make it cost more money make the idea worse and make sure the solution uh makes the problem worse uh committees i mean mm-hmm. this is like oh, let's just make sure that we make the problem worse i mean what in what world is killing the baby a solution to the problem that there's a baby <laughs> i mean yeah ah, I, so so i don't even understand i mean of course this, this huffington post article to me is I mean, just kind of over the top, but I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand how you get there. I don't understand where you start to, to get to the place where you say, well, the solution is kill the baby. I mean, I just, none of it makes sense to me. So I, I don't have an objective way of measuring this because the whole thing sounds insane. Well, one of the contributing factors uh, is that we have the, I guess, right to sex. I mean, so that we've lifted the pleasure of sex to be the uh, greatest and most wonderful thing in all of life. And because it's the greatest and most wonderful thing in all of life, then nothing should stand in one's way of, uh, of doing that. And so if the act actually produces uh, a child, which newsflash it does, um, then we ought to be able to enjoy the, uh, the activity without any of the um, responsibility that comes with it. And so, I mean, so that you would actually um, make sex your God so much to the point that you're even willing to uh, sacrifice to this God. How pagan are we? Hmm. You know, I mean, we look at like like the old days when they would serve up the kids on a fire to Molech, the Mm -hmm. false god Molech. And we're like, boy, that's pretty dark. But now it's not even, you know, it's not even a false god. It's just our own inconvenience that we sacrifice the babies for i mean for heaven's sakes it's a life it's, it's a it, i mean th- there are moral obligations beyond simply whatever feels good i mean it, is this that we are so fantastically epicurean that nothing can stand in the way of whatever sort of pleasure i want apparently i mean apparently yeah apparently I mean, that's what our that's a that's our great wisdom nowadays and that there that, are uh, nothing can stand away in our sexual activity nothing can can assault that and that there are men and women who a majority group of people of the population elected into office who can with a straight face say that no we should have the right to torture babies that can feel pain i i, I don't understand um, i guess i'm echoing your sentiment now i don't understand how that happens like like how do you how do you vote how do you cast that vote and then go home and eat supper with your kids that night it's, but it's like it's, see they don't it's it's a weird sort of delusion because they don't see the issue, the issue instead is, oh they're trying to get rid of, 
abortion. And so we can't concede anything mm. because then it will it'll because to concede anything is to admit that maybe abortion isn't a a hundred percent good. I you know, you know I mean a, it's this there's a parallel to that on the other side because now we're like talking about gun rights and there might be some sensible gun right laws to change, but there are people who are just against all gun rights um, because that is, you know, or sorry, all gun laws because that could make us lose all our guns. Um, we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. This is Table Talk Radio. You have been warned. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. All right, we're, we're back on Table Talk Radio uh, so, Pastor Wilson, before the break, you made the point that, look, uh, Democrats or, yeah, I mean, was, I guess it was party line vote. The Democrats can't vote for something as logical as, hey, we shouldn't torture babies who can feel pain, because to give anything on this issue is um, is to give up on the issue itself of abortion. And I wondered if it wasn't a similar deal with, say, gun control. Now, you know, personally, I... I don't know that more gun laws are going to be helping the situation. I think that that's um, too narrow of a uh, of an address on the issue. But um, President Trump has recently said that I'm interested in, say, improving background check databases or something like that. And he's getting slammed by Republicans because you're supposed to be pro Second Amendment. Well, um, right. I, can we just at least concede that there might be certain things that we can uh, vote on that wouldn't be conceding the issue entirely, be it uh, gun laws or be it abortion. It is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, so have I told you my gun law idea? No, I'm dying to hear it. This is my gun law idea. Is that so? So we can recognize that that people have the right to bear arms, but you won't. You don't give animals the right to bear arms. So I think a sensible gun law would be that you outlaw. You don't let anybody own a gun who believes in evolution. <laughs> Uh, yeah you believe in evolution you think we're just advanced monkeys no gun for you <laughs> that's it that'd solve our problems all right well, amazing let, is have, that because you, uh, we, so here we look at this violence i mean we're in the midst of these violent situations we have a violent culture and and we say well what the pro- the problem is the weapons no i mean uh okay it there could be some some things that we could do to to address the problem of weapon of weapons being in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. I'm all for it. I mean, you know, especially for the mentally ill uh, and a stronger background checks, uh, age limits, stuff like that. Fine, fine. I mean, that's right. And we can't be so um, uh, worried about giving up the whole argument by giving up a part of it that makes sense. But the but there's deeper problems. Uh, how, how uh, you know, there's uh, someone was telling me a story about um, – when you know they used to go to school and or they would go into town and they would ride on the bus with a shotgun you know i mean this is mm. wasn't a thing people weren't worried about this sort of thing it was just 
why is it that we're so worried about this now? And it's the it's the moral disintegration of the culture that has that has just simply kind of raised the callousness of the conscience to such a degree that people are snapping and going crazy. And um, and that's that's a bigger problem. Now, you, it could be that we because of our culture, because of the because of the cultural revolution, because of the degradation of of human life and value and because we've become a bunch of pagans that now we have we have become we we, we have we have subhumanized ourselves and and now we shouldn't have the right to self defense because we can't be trusted with it i mean you you, you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. it, it could be that we're we that as our culture becomes so pagan it's a devolving sort of thing and so things that should belong to human beings can cease to belong we can't we can't be trusted with these things anymore because but it's but that is a it's a cultural and moral issue and part of it is is the is the blatant acceptance of abortion i mean you know we can't i we, we all it, it not i'm suppose i'm worried about guns in the hands of the wrong people but i'm we should probably also be worried about scalpels in the hands of the wrong people mm-hmm. i mean the people that don't feel bad about killing babies uh, so it all, I mean, it, it just is kind of a, a nasty time that we live in where, where reasonable sort of things just apparently don't make sense anymore. And that, and so then what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do you argue, how do you enter into an argument about what should be good and civil when, when people won't even admit that there is something as such a thing as good? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know the answer to that. There was did it did was this news in um in Colorado because I th- I think it originated at a uh, Channel Nine there in Denver, but uh, after the Florida shooting, there was a man in Denver who wrote to the to the station and said, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I almost did this, and he just talked about his life and where he was, and um, he talked about how he was bullied at school constantly, and then um, he went home and. And uh, his parents weren't really involved in his life. And so he just really had no one who, I mean, literally just no one who loved this individual. I mean, he wasn't getting a positive interaction with another human being. And so he said that I almost did this. And, of course, then he said the only reason I didn't is because I didn't have an access to a gun. So that was kind of the point of the article. But, but I, I mean, are we missing the point here? That what the, So the solution is to get uh, – get access to limit access to guns so that those things won't happen. Or we could start loving people <laughs> who want to get guns and shoot people in the first place. Like uh, I, I echo with what, what you just said. So we think that the solution to this problem has to do with, you know, figuring out how people aren't going to get guns as if that's ever going to be a possibility. I mean, are we ever going to be at, at a point in our country where someone isn't going to be able to find a gun somehow if they can already break laws to do it today? Um, or we could maybe take a look at, boy, what, what ramifications does it have on a young person when uh, mom and dad aren't involved in this person's life? What ramifications does it have on a human being to be mocked and ridiculed by peers day in and day out? I mean, there's some bigger issues that we got to deal with more than gun laws. Right. That's right. And so, and it, it, so you know, one of the things, as we talk about Ten Commandments in the news, so we talk about— a cultural hardening of the conscience, especially when it comes to the fifth commandment and violence and murder, mm-hmm. which, which starts at the edges, the young and the old, and a, and a and a a way of devaluing life, uh, the exaltation of fame, uh, 
which is one of the things that happens in these, um, you know, in the in, in these kind of murderous activities, is that someone becomes famous, infamous, but famous. Mm. And there, mm-hmm. there was this old uh, myth. Someone was telling me about that. Was you, was this you telling me about this? That there's this old myth, Greek myth, where um, a guy was going to go and knock down the temple in Athens, and uh, and and someone said, "You'll be well, you'll be infamous." And he says, "But at least people will will know my name." Hmm. And so there's this. Eighth Commandment addiction to fame that also motivates this kind of violence, where um, you know we're, we're we're diminishing the wrong things. We're ex- we're I mean diminishing yeah we're diminishing the wrong things. We're exalting the wrong things. Everything's kind of out of whack. We have a, a a cultural conscience that's hardened according to the Fifth Commandment, and that expand that spreads. It goes to the Sixth Commandment and to the Fourth Commandment, and then from there to the Seventh Commandment and the Third Commandment, so that all these commandments are connected with one another. And when we try to, this is the, one of the problems, we try to look at it legislatively, and we, and we assume that the problem is one of laws. But, you know, not enough laws, or <laughs> not the right laws, or something like that. But is that the problem? I mean, is, that the, is the problem with mass murder that we don't have enough law? Is that what's going to solve it? Well, I, I think. I mean, I suppose we should try to have the right law, but that's not the that's not the problem of our humanity. I mean, if if a law is going to stop it from happening, and this is a tongue in cheek statement, we should just make murder illegal. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Every time someone is murdered with a gun, there is law being broken there. Right. You know. So I suppose I mean people say, well, let's make the law earlier. You know, let's let's bind people who aren't doing illegal things to other laws, so that people who want to do illegal things are prevented. So let's not let people sell them guns or whatever. You know, but yeah, hmm. I mean, there's always going to be law, but there's always going to be murder. There's always going to be people who are breaking the law. There, um, but there is something when society becomes murderous and violent, like it is. Uh, the the solution is deeper than simply making more laws and if we can ever get to that point and recognize that that our problem is our sinful condition and the answer that god has to that is not just the law but most especially the gospel then uh, you know then we're i mean we're there's no way out of it you can't you can't dig enough to get out of the hole Hmm. another thing that's interesting um about uh, these shootings that take place um, is how it affects everyone. Um, you could probably speak to this even uh, better than I, just because this happened in your own backyard in, in the Aurora Theater. Um, but I mean, this hap- this affects not just the whole entire town. So um, I mean, I suppose that that when when fifteen people or thirty people or however many are shot, then that just creates a huge web of contacts. I know I knew so and so in the theater, but. Um, but even people all the way across the nation who have no connection to that whatsoever are grieving things like this happening. That 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 uh, we see that uh, that that this is uh, just fundamentally wrong, um, and so that there's still a, a, a conscience against this thing. But we have this this conflict between a conscience in in a person that says this is wrong, and yet um, a person who is, for whatever reason, disturbed enough to say. Uh, my conscience is hard enough to go ahead and go and do something like this. Right. Uh, yeah, now, that's right. You just have about 30 seconds to do some Ten Commandments. Well, okay, so this is the Fifth Commandment, uh, Fourth Commandment, Sixth Commandment, Seventh Commandment, Eighth Commandment. Nine and ten is always there. 
Uh, first commandment is there. What's the only one not mentioned is the second commandment. Did anybody do something in God's name there? Not that I saw. Not that this article mentioned. But it probably wouldn't be mentioned in the Huffington well, Post article. Nine out of ten commandments. Yeah. There you go. And I think the weird thing is that one of the things that happened around here is when you saw this kind of mass murder happen, the thing the way people thought of it is they said, look at how good people are. We should react to that the opposite and say, yeah. man, we are wicked and we need Christ. All right. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like... Thanks for listening to this not edition planning of Table a Talk show. Radio. Table Talk Radio. So that you have to talk for, for three everyone. segments about Please this consult terrible your pastor stuff. before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss. I told you they can just tune out after the first one. With aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding. Oh, uh, new heaven and new earth is coming where righteousness dwells. Uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter and falling off the treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.